Uh, welcome back to an all familiar uh, edition of Through the Smoke and Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Another instant reaction, another tough, questionable result for Miami. Hurricanes fall 42-35 to to a Virginia Tech that was a Virginia Tech team that was spanked last week by by Duke. Um, Miami couldn't overcome a disaster of a first quarter uh, as Jaron Williams threw three picks. The Hokies went up 28-0. Miami was able to fight their way back into the game. Had a chance to actually take the lead. Bubba Baxa missed an extra point. Shocker. And then uh, Virginia Tech drove the field and eventually punched in the, the game-winning score. I don't really know what to say. Um, you know, the new Miami is is a lot like the old Miami. Uh, Hurricanes are now 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games versus Power 5 opponents. That's after beating Central Michigan by five points last week. Um, not a lot of positives on my end. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I'm struggling to understand um, with two examples now is how uh, Miami is coming off a bye week uh, and they just get throttled in the first quarter. Uh, this happened against North Carolina in week two. Miami had a bye week to prepare for that game, and North Carolina, you know, took an early lead. That was tough for Miami to fight their way back and get into the game. And then against Virginia Tech on Saturday, it was even worse. They they looked even sleepier. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying anything crazy here, but typically bye weeks are a good thing in college football. <laughs> like, I think if you look at the win-loss record for the majority of teams across the country, the majority of them win off of bye weeks. And <laughs> so I don't really understand what is happening there in terms of the first quarter sleepiness. Um, in general, you know, the game plan was a little head-scratching. We saw uh, plenty of formations that used uh, walk-on fullback Michael Parrott um, with one receiver on the field so there was one throwing option uh, and you know Miami actually did try and throw the ball out of that formation which surprised it didn't go well because Virginia Tech knew there was only really one guy to have to cover on that formation but yeah so Miami fought their way back into the game Nikosi Perry um you know, he was Nikosi. He had his good and bad moments. Overall, I, I credit him for the way he played. I guess moving forward, Andrew, um, looking forward to Virginia next week or this week, who would you start at quarterback, Nikosi or Jaron? I don't know, man. I, I don't even know what to really make of kind of what happened. I mean, when Miami named Jaron Williams the starter, they made it seem pretty clear that this was the guy that they were going to ride and die with. And then, you know, S hits the fan, and they were so quick to pull him and go with Perry. And I know, I guess Jaron might have hurt his shoulder or something like that, but uh, just to pull the plug that that fast, and I hate the term adversity, but as soon as it went bad was a bit surprising to me. I know he threw three interceptions on the first three three drives, and a you know, seventh pass attempt was picked off, but I was just surprised to see that. I do think Nikosi Perry played fairly well. 
I think he added an element to this offense that they don't really have, and that's a down-the-field passing threat. But uh, you touched on the game plan. It was just puzzling to me from the start. I don't. I think we were, what, five games into the season now? I have zero, ident- zero clue what the identity of this offense is. Uh, we haven't seen the Wildcat formation. That, I thought, worked pretty well. Week zero against Florida, that, that kind of allowed them to run the ball a little bit. That's gone. Um, you know, where were the end arounds or those little jet sweeps we saw against Bethune-Cookman? You know, you guys drilled those into the ground. Those were completely gone. Larry Hodges catches two touchdowns. We don't see him out there. I just, I have no idea what the identity of this offense is. Everyone else has ran all over Virginia Tech and Miami. Aside from that long touchdown run from DJ Dallas, I think they would have only finished with, what, like 29 rushing yards? I mean, it was bad. But to answer your question, I, I don't know. I, I think they go with Perry. Who knows? Yeah, so just some things to add with the quarterback discussion. Um, you know, there are rumors out there or, or you know, there is a, f- a sense out there that Jaron has been dealing with some shoulder soreness uh, since the Florida game. You know, he got beat up pretty bad in that game and supposedly he's been dealing with some shoulder pain since then uh you know when he was pulled from the game against Virginia Tech he was seen on the sideline kind of working his shoulder uh moving his arm in in circles to kind of loosen it up um Manny was asked after the game uh, you know if that was the reason why Jaron Bent was benched and Manny kind of flatly said no uh, he was benched because of his performance, and he was his shoulder was good enough to play, and his shoulder was good enough to go back into the game if they needed him to. Um, so I thought that was interesting. He also still he he still made it clear that Jaron is quote unquote our guy. He didn't outright say Jaron is going to be starting against Virginia, but it it kind of seemed like he was leaning that way when when I asked him about. What did you think about Nikosi's performance? He said it was uneven. So it seemed like Manny was kind of more focused on on some of the puzzling Nikosi moments, more so than focusing on the good things Nikosi did. So, yeah, I agree. I think, look, if you look at what this offense is, the strength of it could be an inefficient downfield passing attack. Like a guy like Jeff Thomas can run deep well. And yeah, it's not an efficient offense, but it can make plays. It can generate yards and touchdowns. And Nikosi can deliver those throws. Also, I think Nikosi is a little more nimble, nimble-footed than Jaron Williams is. And when you have the worst offensive line in all of Power 5 college football, I think that matters. So I think that's another check in Nikosi's column. So if it were me, I would probably go with Nikosi, throw him in shotgun against Virginia and just let it go. And But I don't know which way Manny's going to go. It seems like he still wants to lean towards Jaron. I'm sure this will be a topic of discussion the whole week, and we probably won't know until the game starts. Uh, you mentioned it, the offensive line I thought was absolutely horrible. Uh, I know as we were walking to do this podcast, I brought it up. I, I just don't understand how you could put Zion Nelson there out, out, out as your left tackle and think, hey, this is giving me the best chance to win the football game. I mean, he they gave up seven sacks. I don't know how many were his fault. I would say, assume it was, a, it was a lot of them. Uh, and, you know, he gave up a sack where he was flagged for holding. It was that bad. So, 
Uh, that was disappointing. Uh, I wanted to just real quickly touch on the defense. I think Miami had just five tackles for loss. I looked. That is their worst uh, number, or that's tied for the worst number they, they've had in that category in the last 29 games. I thought the defense, I don't, it looks like they had no answer for Hendon Hooker. It's like, I get it. It's a new quarterback, but this is the second game in a row where the opposing team has started a backup quarterback, and the backup quarterback has pretty much done whatever they wanted. And I think if you ask a lot of people walking out of Hard Rock Stadium if, if that guy was the starter or the backup for that other team, they would have thought that was the outright starter. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on in defense. Yeah, defensively, the thing that the thing I'll say about the defensive performance is in situations they just didn't make plays, right? So, yeah. Yeah, turnovers are random, but Miami didn't force any turnovers. Um, Third down defense, uh, Miami allowed Virginia Tech to convert 9 of 16 opportunities. That's very poor. Uh, Red zone chances, Virginia Tech made it to the red zone six times. They scored a touchdown on all six of those chances in the red zone. So that's really, really poor. Um, So, yeah, I mean, overall... Did the defense play awful? No, but they were bad in situations, third down and red zone, and didn't come up with key stops when they needed to. And honestly, that's kind of been an issue all season, to be honest, with this defense. Um, I want to go back to the offensive line real quick, Andrew. If you were, I think changes do need to be made there. Um, I don't know what they would be. I think one thing I would maybe toy with is I would probably see what Navon Donaldson looks like at left tackle. Do I think he is good at left tackle? No. But do I think he might be, or maybe Scaife at left tackle and you move Donaldson to right tackle? I guess what I'm getting at is, do you think Navon Donaldson, uh, to win the game today, to win the game against Virginia, should he be moved to tackle? Oh, yeah. I, I think for sure. I mean, circling back to how we started this podcast off, you, you talked about the bye week, and Manny mentioned how after the Central Mission game, competition was going to be everything. There was going to be competition. All the spots were open, and there was really zero changes. Uh, I, they got to try something new there. Um, like I said, I mean, I don't want to keep dogging on Zion Nelson. I know it's a difficult situation being a true freshman, but you've got to put your best five out there that you think is going to give you an opportunity to win. I do like that idea about maybe moving Scaife to left tackle because he's probably a little more athletic than Donaldson. Kick Donaldson over to, to right tackle. And then it doesn't really matter what goes on at guard. It's not, I mean, you guys aren't running the ball well as is against a very average Virginia Tech defense. I mean, I do think, uh, but hats off to Bud Foster. I mean, he out schemed, out game planned uh, Dan Enos pretty well. And, you know, he's got. Like you said, we were walking over here. He's put out the film on how you beat uh, Jaron Williams. Just put a bunch of guys in the box and, and blitz them. But uh, they got to make changes there. Last thing I do want to touch on before we wrap this thing up, just kind of keep it short, Bubba Baxa, man. Like, misses the extra point, which would have put Miami ahead. I still don't really understand the, the th- thought process behind going for a two when they did. Like, Yeah, I think – yeah, I mean, it was certainly unconventional um, and ended up working out. I think that was what, Man- like, I think that's partially Manny not trusting his kicker. And I think it's partially Manny saying, look, I want to go for the win. Um, I think 
if I don't get this two-point conversion, but we score another touchdown, I, we can try and just tie the game with another two-point conversion. So, you know, he, he made it seem like this is what the data tells you to do. Uh, it's not something you really see other coaches doing, so it was interesting. Um, in terms of Bubba Baxa, yeah. I mean, you at this point, you can't trust the guy to make a kick when there's any type of pressure. Oh, don't worry, brothers. There was open competition in, in bye week. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, if the guy can't make an extra point to take a one-point lead, I think a change needs to happen there. Um, last thing, Andrew, and then we can go. Um, do you think uh, Do you think this team should be worried about being able to get to a bowl game? Well, I know you wrote this in your post-game uh, little synopsis. Uh, yeah, I think if you look at the schedule ahead, it's hard to find uh, four more wins. I think we'll both agree, FIU, Georgia Tech, outside of that, and it seems like this is the theme of these instant reaction pods, I think Miami's going to be in a, a dogfight in every game pretty much moving forward. Um, look how this team plays on the road. and It's hard to be like, hey, they're going to go to Duke and win. Hey, they're going to go to Florida State and win. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. Getting to six is going to be yeah. quite the adventure. Yeah, I think. Like you said, I think you can find two wins, Georgia Tech and, and FIU, hopefully. Maybe you can find a third win if you believe that, that Miami can beat Louisville at home. Uh, but then outside of that, and even that game, that game's going to be tough for this team. Um, Running quarterback. Right. But outside of that, Louisville game, I don't know how you get to six. Like Right now, they are not beating Florida State in Tallahassee. They are not beating Duke in that season finale. I don't think they can beat Pittsburgh on the road either. So, you know, they're going to have to win one of these improbable games, unfortunately, um, to become bowl eligible in my mind. I know it's early to say this, but um, just projecting out the season right now, it does not look very good. All right, that's going to wrap up the show. Uh, One final nugget. I mean, if you're still listening at this point, I'm sorry for drowning you in sorrows. Isaiah Walker, Miami's top offensive line target, committed to Florida on Saturday uh, before the Gators beat Auburn while in Gainesville. So um, another, what is that, salt in the wound? Is that how I would say it? Yeah, so um, stay locked to 24-7 Sports inside the U. Please. Uh, Please, hopefully we'll have some positive thoughts coming out of Virginia uh, next week.